Hello and welcome to another edition of the SBK Betting Podcast, where we're drawing a close of the flat turf season. Yes, it is the customary British Champions Day, which ends out what's been another fantastic, fabulous, indifferent, average, whatever you like to call it, season. It's definitely thrown up lots of... uh, storylines, lots of swings and roundabouts. It's been pretty much the, the Frankie Dettori show all the way throughout. We've been um, worried about the weather throughout the course of this year. I remember going back all the way to the start of the season for the first classic and we did it in an absolute downpour and we'll end it on a downpour in the only way that we do here in England. Um, but before we get into British Champions Day and all the various storylines that have been created in the build-up and what we've got to look forward to, We've got to reflect on last week and what a cracking week it was for this podcast. Ross Miller is going to be the saddest person of all of us to see the flat club season come to an end because just as it, just as it comes to an end, he gets it going. He's got going. I honestly felt a little bit worried what you were going to do without this season now that it's coming to an end. You went four out of four last week. The shunter winning was Zarowicz. Let's be honest, he is really a jump source. Um, as is punctuation, um, who is also part of um, those uh, selections as well. But the uh, the shunter was the fourteen to one highlight. Um, all of us across the board went with on um, with City of Troy, but TC and Ross also went with the winning nap in H Ancient Wisdom, who won at two to one. Um, obviously, the City of Troy was the real highlight, but we knew that a long time ago. TC, um, I think we should talk about it just quickly. Um, we knew he was good. How much better do you think he is now, Tom, after seeing what he did on what was described as ground he didn't enjoy? Yeah, well, he wouldn't have liked underfoot conditions. There's no doubt about that. Aidan O'Brien obviously said that he wouldn't have uh, really been 100% ready either after the layoff. Uh, and they didn't seem like they would have been shocked if he actually lost in the pre-race interview. Uh, but this is City of Troy. This horse is unbelievable. He kind of just stepped forward from his superlative win. Got an RPR of one, two, four. Aiden said it's the best two-year-old he's ever trained. I don't disagree. Um, Johannesburg technically is one, two, five compared to City of Troy's one, two, four. But I think City of Troy is in a league of his own. Um, and I'm just really looking forward to seeing him in his three-year-old campaign. Yeah, he'll definitely make the winter go a little bit shorter as we got to look forward to that. He's still got a lot to prove to get anywhere near the likes of Franco. We should never make comparisons. But um, Ross, as I said, four out of four, a bit of a jump spill to it. Uh, must be delighted with that um, coming to this point in the season. How do you reflect on it? How do you look back on this season? Because I had a bit of a discussion with someone that we know very well uh, from the behind the scenes of this podcast talking about that's been a little bit, little bit average. There's nothing that's been amazing about it. Is there been a real highlight for you? Did they miss City of Troy then? Um, because he's, <laughs> he's, been, he's been amazing twice. I mean, I think we, we can get very guilty of, of being exceptionally greedy as, as race fans. I've really enjoyed it. You know, as, as you know, when I started doing this, the summer was pretty much for me. I would keep a tab of it, particularly with the two-year-olds with the juvenile watch, but I didn't throw myself into it. And year on year, of course, as you get to know the horses a bit more, um, A, you get a little bit better at perhaps finding a few winners here and there, but also you you get to know them a bit more and get to get your favourites and ones you don't like and ones you do. Um, I've really enjoyed it. I think, uh, you know, Paddington was a was a really good story at the start of the year. He's been freshened up, I, I, I think. And then City of Troy, OK, we only saw him three times, but crikey, he was impressive. Well, all three starts, but particularly in the superlative stakes. And then again, last weekend, I think the uh, 
just the, the battalion of Aidan O'Brien two-year-olds has been impressive. Then there was a story that Charlie Appleby didn't have any two-year-olds, and then he rocked up to Newmarket last week and reminded everyone that he did. So I think there's been been lots of stories. Um, you know, the, for me, the Frankie angle did drag a bit, but you know, you have to concede if he had been retiring, it would have been perfectly fair enough, you know, because he's, he's, he's done a lot for the sport. But I also think the sport's done a lot for him. But no, I've really enjoyed the season. I, I, I disagree that it's been boring. I think there's been plenty and there's been certainly plenty of sort of discussion points in terms of ground and where horses are going to go and all the rest of it. And it, and it hasn't stopped right up to this week. Yeah. And I, I would say that there have been points where I've gone to the races thinking, this is why I love it. And I remember going up to, driving up to the King George at Ascot this year, really feeling like a little kid again. That excitement of seeing all the best middle distance horses running against each other. And I think that lived up to all expectations, just really adored that. Loved the likes of living the dream, doing it for the for the good guys and it not all being about the those with the big big money and all the big pedigrees um, and that story hopefully isn't going to finish yet when we've got the Breeders' Cup and the Breeders' Cup might be the beneficiary of some of the horses that we don't see this weekend at British Champions Day because this leads us quite seamlessly into what might be literally a bit of a damp squib. Um, Asker is later this year than it has been in previous years and being one week later has meant that we've got more rain than well, we've used to this. I think we've, I've, I've expected this years gone by that Ascot have, uh, will always have at least soft ground in their going description come Champions Day. But we've got biblical proportions. It's, I've, there's some sort of random name for the storm that we've got um, at the moment, the bet or something. Um, it is meant to rain a lot more. We're recording on Thursday, on Friday, to change the going description to nearly heavy all over. At the moment, the official. Uh, going description I think is um, soft and uh, soft on the on the straight course round course is soft and then you've got the inner course where the flat course is good good to soft in places um, and that is what the main um, talking point has been Tom this is going to carry on whether we're going to have it on the inner course uh, for a few of the races the sort of uh, middle distance races or we're going to stay stay to the the normal round course all the way to literally the last moment on Saturday. So for punters, it's extremely difficult to know what racetrack we're riding on. How difficult is that for us when we're coming into working out what we're what we're selecting? And what are the nuances? What are the differences between the tracks? Yeah, well, that's a good point. I mean, firstly, what I want to say is, thank God the racing should go ahead no matter what. Uh, the worst case scenario is we're moving tracks, fingers crossed. So that's the positive in this scenario. The negative is, as you say, it's completely different. So you're going from the outer track to the inner track, potentially. Not only is there going to be a big going discrepancy there, as you say, right now the outer track is listed as soft, will almost certainly be heavy and extremely bottomless if they do race there. If they suddenly move it on Saturday morning to the inner track, it's currently listed as good, good to soft in places. That'll probably be more on the soft side, um, not heavy. So there's a big difference in ground. So not only have you got to factor that in, but there's also a shorter uh, run-in. There's also a tighter turn. There's lots going on, lots of difference, uh, differences between the two tracks. And given we're filming this on Thursday, this is absolutely no help at all to us or any other anti-post or punter, even if you count two days as anti-post. Uh, now, I think they should be telling us on Thursday, knowing exactly how much we're going to be expecting on Friday. You know, these forecasts, we do blame the weatherman quite often for getting it wrong. But when they're just 24 hours out, we should know exactly how much is coming. They should make the decision now. That being said, 
for this podcast alone, and I don't know about you guys, but for clarity, I'm going to be tipping horses based on the fact they're staying on the outer track. I just want to make that clear. Obviously, I'm going to, I'm going to keep the same horses if they move because I can't change it after they suddenly des- uh, describe on Saturday how they've changed to the inner track from the outer track. Um, but what I'm saying is right now, the outer track is what I'm focusing on. So that's what I'm tipping for. Yes. And to make it even more clear, we've obviously got six races on Saturday at Ascot, which is customary. Um, And the ones that will be really affected are the uh, long distance cut, the two mile race, uh, the the champions, Phillies and Mare Stakes over one mile four and the champion stakes over, over one mile two. They potentially could go onto the inner track, which is essentially the jumps course, which would have a tighter... Uh, tighter bend, tighter turn, um, it's further away from the grandstand. Um, but specifically, the biggest difference is that that it's got better ground. Um, it hasn't been used throughout the course of this year. They're preparing it for the jump season. The races that won't be affected, we assume, are the six furlong champion sprint, um, the QE2 over the mile and the Balmoral handicap over the mile as well. So I think probably the best race to start with is the QE2. We're going to focus on that and the champion stakes. That race, um, we've got all the declarations but there isn't anything I imagine that's going to be um, too much affected and and really it's good that uh, the main sort of figure over the course this weekend who's probably got the most amount of runners by O'Brien is John and Thady Gosden Um, they're also um, wanting to keep hold of their trainers title which they think that they'll be um, getting on Saturday but they made the decision this week about whether they were going to run some of their horses and have kept us up to date, um, essentially as, as, as early as possible, which we thank them for. Um, in Spiral is not not running in the QE2. She is going to the Breeders' Cup, um, uh, I, we think, we hope, um, as her second alternative. And Nashua has switched from the Champion Stakes to the QE2 as well. So those are big um, additions or losses to the race. But importantly... Those that have been declared are ones that we've been hoping to see um, for quite some while now. Paddington, um, eagerly anticipated after what was, you'd have to say, a disappointing run in the Judmont International back now, nearly 59 days ago when it gets to Saturday. Tahira uh, will be her first run against the opposite sex. She'll be lining up for Dermot Weld and Chris Hayes. As I said, Nashua, she's in here as well. Big rock for the French team. Um, France have done very well in um, coming over to Champions Day in the past. Um, so you can say the same for Factor Cheval. Chaldine has now got Frankie de Tory booked after Inspiral is a non-runner. Uh, Angel Blur, Rogue Millennium, um, Check and Challenge um, and High Royal and Epictetus make up the lineup. So um, we'll, we'll come back to you first then, TC. Without further ado, we've got a lot of prize money We've got the horses essentially that we'd want to see um, and soft ground. You'd have to think for pretty much all of them shouldn't be too much of an inconvenience. Um, Great to have the horses that we have in here. Um, Really, really looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. It's actually a very good renewal of the QE2. But firstly, before I get into the selections and the overview of the race, I want to say full credit to the Gosdens for actually taking and spiral out and going towards the Breeders' Cup with her. You know, they've only got, I think, around £300,000 in hand of Aidan O'Brien right now in the Trainers' Championship. Obviously, ends on Saturday. Winning this race, which is uh, £650,000 to the winner, would be huge for them. They could be greedy and try to run in spiral here, uh, despite the fact that they know that she doesn't like the ground. She got stuffed in this race last year when it was soft. Uh, But they've been clever and they've moved her to the Breeders' Cup, keeping Nashua in this race. I think that's crucial. Full credit to them, not getting greedy. Um, talk about the Gosdens, Nashua is going to be my selection in the race. Now, 
she ticks a fair few boxes. Uh, she's run to a mark good enough to win the average renewal of the QE2. She's got proven stamina over further, uh, so she should definitely be suited by this mile stiff track at Ascot. Um, and that, I think the extra stamina is crucial here because they could have gone to the champion, as you say. This race is going to be run at a fast gallop with Big Rock up front, I'm sure of it. He's only got one way of running. Straight to the front, gallop hard and try to hold off the, the rest of the field. Nashua's got this high cruising speed. She could easily get the ideal toe just in behind the speed. And that will be absolutely perfect for her. So I love the fact they've rerouted her to this race. The Gosdens have a good record, winning two of the last six renewals. Obviously, they've had Inspiral beaten, Palace Pier also beaten at short price in this race as well. But still, 33% over the last six years is a good strike rate. I think Holly Doyle is on the perfect horse for this race. The ground is going to be ideal as well for Nashua. So she's going to be my selection. Just to touch on a couple of the others, Paddington's obviously the horse to beat in here. Um, he had a fantastic start to the season, but he had a very busy start to the season as well. He was running week in, week out. And then he got beaten. Um, you know, horses can obviously get beaten, especially when they run uh, numerous times in a short period of time. Uh, that, that kind of um, exploit can just take its toll on the horse. You know, their constitution gets put into play and fitness, et cetera, mentality. And he, he's rightly been beaten. You know, there was no excuses that day. Freshened up now and he can easily come back and win. But he's 10 to 11 or he's around even money. He's very short in this race. And I think he has to be taken on. It's not a penalty kick by any means. And actually, albeit he's won on heavy ground, I don't think he really wants this kind of uh, underfoot conditions either. I also don't think Tahira wants it. Now, I know she has plenty of form on deep ground, but she's very small. Um, she's not going to really relish it. Yes, she gets through it, but I don't think she relishes it quite like Nashua does. Big Rock does relish the ground, but he hasn't been as good this year as he was last year. Factor Cheval needs to improve to beat Paddington. And given I'm trying to find the winner and I don't like Paddington, I can't have Factor Cheval. So it's Nashua, not just by default, but I think she is the default selection as well as having the, the most cast iron claims. Yeah, and she has already beaten Paddington. Um, you know, she was ahead of him in, in the Jumpmont International where, you know, we can forgive Paddington for... Um, probably being a little bit over the top. But I remember at the time thinking, right, he's done against uh, three-year-olds. He then went to the Eclipse and, and he beat Emily Upjohn. Mm, how good was that form in the Eclipse? I'm not really certain. Um, Sussex Stakes again, was it a weak enough race? Is this a, a lot stronger? Um, again, should he be, Ross, the price that he is, considering he's already been beaten uh, by a horse in this field in Nashua? Um, and, and the case is, still stands that, he might still just feel the effects, but I'm always, always loathed, loathed to put any doubt around Aidan O'Brien. We know what he can do. He's done it. It's been the kind of storyline throughout the course of the of the year. And this would be a much uh, more straightforward bit of training than any of the August Rodin magic he's poured over this season. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm looking at this simplistically, but I, I think we were all pretty much in agreement that he probably didn't run to his level um, last time in, in the Judmont. That was his seventh start of the season. Um, I, I think he's he's the standout here. And I know he's short prices, around about 11 to 8, I think, at the moment. Um, I expect him to shorten up, but I think that's perfectly reasonable. He's one on heavy. He's three from three on soft. Tom mentioned the stamina. I think that's definitely an angle, but he's, he clearly stays a mile and a, mile and a quarter. Um, and I just think he's the most uncomplicated horse in in this race and and that can count for a for a lot um nashua i respect but she's run twice on soft ground in the pre-lopra and the nassau and she was beaten both times and 
arguably her, her best form in the Falmouth and then the, the Judmoy itself when she was beaten has come on on better ground. So I'm not sold on the ground for her. I agree with TC. I'm not sold on the ground for Tahira either. Um, and, and again, the former Tahira's win last time, Rogue Millennium, you know, was was stone cold last. Next time she's 40 to one here. She's 10 times the price. Um, and Meditate, who I thought would actually shape like she was a little bit better than the bare result, was was well beaten fifth on her next start. So I'm not sure that form is is all that much against the fillies coming in against the against the boys. Um, I just think it was a, a simple case of uh, Paddington didn't run to his level. It was the end of a busy section of a campaign. It's had 60 days to freshen himself up. Um, I think he's the clear pick in this, and I'd, I'd be surprised if he didn't didn't win this. Okay. Is there anything to be said? They've got 11 runners here and maybe TC, your best person to ask draw wise. They go, they go down. It's the draws will be, draw will be placed in the middle of the track, won't it? Do you want to be too much on the wing? Do you think uh, Tahira coming out of 10 is a, is a negative? I mean, it could be a negative. She could get um, outside of no cover. And obviously that's never a positive, no matter who uh, the horse is. I remember Animal Kingdom actually back in the day at Royal Ascot. Uh, was drawn slightly wide, had no cover whatsoever, coming over for US, was sent off like five to four and got absolutely stuffed. Um, so you don't want to be on the wing. Big Rock is the likely speed, as I say. He's drawn in six. I imagine they'll go in like an arrow formation down the middle, maybe even a little bit more strung out because, as I say, he's only got one way of running and they won't be too uh, slow early on. Um, so, look, it could be a, po- a negative if you're out on the wing, but at the same time, there's every chance that Chris Hayes or any of the riders in um, flank draws I can get across and get some cover. Okay, look, I hear what you're all saying. I think this is a race, really the best best race on the card. Um, Paddington of so much respect for, uh, difficult to um, see why he can't come back um, after that pretty much heavy defeat. Nashua, I would be less inclined with just because I agree. I think the ground might not just be right for her. I think it's just sort of opting in around, I would have rather seen her at the Breeders' Cup, but we're going to see her next year in training, and I hope we're going to see Tahira in training as well. I don't think she's as small as you think. She, I was lucky to be there on the first day of Irish Champions Festival, and um, I remember Dermot Wells saying how much how much she's strengthened out. She's actually, I have a quote here that she's 8 to 10 kilos heavier than she, when she won at Royal Ascot. She is She's just taking her time to strengthen up and fill out, a bit like her half-sister did to Nawa. Um, I think she'll be fine going through the ground. She's been managed very well. She's not had a hard season. Nashua has been on the go a good bit. She's had a, yeah, she's had a bit of a break since Leperstown, but she's been running since May. That would just um, just concern me a little bit. Whereas Tahira, yes, she needs to improve, but I think she is still improving, whereas we might just have seen uh, the limit of Paddington. Um, I don't think we've got to the bottom of Tahira yet, and I'm happy to side with her in what is a fascinating renewal of the QE2 at 3.05 on Saturday. So um, a selection, uh, a different selection from all of us in in that race. Uh, We will go uh, one forward to the 3.45 to the Kitco Champion Stakes. That will be over one mile, two furlongs. And as said at the beginning of the of the pod at the moment where we are expecting or assuming we're going to be running on the on the on the round course but we could be going in inner um whether that will affect who that will affect we'll, we'll see we'll try and work that out especially draw wise too um i think that it's very unlikely that we'll see mostadaf 
uh, they make they're going to make the decision as much as we thank John and Daly Gosden for keeping it very open and clear what they're doing with their with their fillies. Mostad they want to come down to the right, come down to the wire. Shadwell have had a wonderful season with him. Um, I'd love to see him at the Breeders' Cup. I think he'll be really um, suited by um, the quicker surface out there and their running style, but. Um, I think Shadwell would like to have him run over here in the UK before maybe that's the end of his of his uh, racing career. But um, if we don't have him, we'll definitely have Horizon Door for the the French. Uh, he's on this brilliant winning streak. We've got King of Steel. He's had a very um, interesting season, uh, both on the race course and with all those connected to him as well. He'll be ridden by Frankie Tatori for the first time. Baybridge um, will be in, in here as well. We obviously know that he won this last year in a uh, fascinating style, beating Great Bayid. Versistina is a very interesting um, contender for George Bowie. And my Prospero Royal Rhymed by Honor Point Lonsdale will make it up. So, um, Ross, maybe I'll start with you this time. Um, Horizon Door, what do we know about him? Why, what, what, why should he be at the top of the betting uh, list? What's he done to be ahead of King of Steel? Well, he's he's been thoroughly consistent, hasn't he? Um, I, I was sort of looked and thought French horse, soft ground, he's going to love it. Then you go back through his form, and you know his, his win at Longchamp last time was on on good to soft ground. As we know, the ground has been riding better than usual in in France. He's run twice on on heavy ground, and he's he's one from one. So, for me, the verdict was out actually as to whether this soft ground is is what he's going to want. He's undoubtedly run to a to a high level um but i haven't got a huge grasp on the on the french platform just looking at his pedigree i wasn't completely sold that he would want this this softer ground so i i just thought he was a maybe a slightly false favorite and it wouldn't be a given for me that he'll go off favorite on the day actually um king of steel a little bit the same he won his uh, maiden in a bog at nottingham um and straight away you think nice big strong horse he's, he's going to want testing ground but he then went up up into a good class in the in the futurity and ran no sort of race at all and when you go back and look at the form of that maiden win it wasn't all that much the runner-up is 94 the third horse is 76 okay he was impressive but i just wonder whether actually it was his class that just got that job done as opposed to the suitability of the ground um i'd be staggered if they run mostadap i think he certainly is not going to want ground don't think he'd want it soft and if it gets softer than than that even it just doesn't make sense to me at all and um i could happily put a line through him so actually the one i came down on and it's an each way selection really is is the is the mayor via sestina um she's gonna love the ground um i thought in the dahlia state she was really really impressive when she slammed alhassin by by six lengths that was on soft ground this is undoubtedly a step up but i think it's interesting that they've targeted this meeting and they had two options and they've targeted this option you know George Bowie's doing a lot of the work there for you I think in terms of what you know what the target should be and and why um she'll stay this trip really well she'll love the ground in a race where I can happily put a line through a number of them I mean Baybridge is another one that no doubt you will see someone this weekend say he's going to love the ground well well, is he? Because he ran in the pre-Gane last year and ran badly, and that was on very soft ground. I think he's a really particular horse in that he's not quick enough when the ground is quick, and actually he doesn't want soft ground either, so he's got to have that really nice sort of just on the slightly slower side of good. It's not going to be that, I don't think. Um, 
I think he's starting to look slightly exposed as to what he is versus what we all hoped he might be. Um, so it was the it was the mayor for me. And uh, interestingly, the last mayor to win this race is magical when it was run on the inner track. Do you think she would be a horse that you would be too concerned about if they were to move it from one to the other? No, I I, I will be honest and say that I hadn't factored that into my thoughts but then actually when when Tom was talking about it I thought actually it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for her if it did did move into the into the uh, inner course albeit you then wouldn't want her to get traffic problems but um, no I think she's pretty adaptable in terms of which track you run on and I just thought she had more going for for her than a, a few ahead of her in the market. Yeah also interestingly that um, normal jockey Jamie Spencer is replaced by Oshin Murphy um, Jamie's got on with her really well and one on on won on her several times but Oshin comes in for this uh, big race ride so Beatrice for Ross at a probably quite a nice each way price around around about eight to one um okay Tom from what we've heard and hearing a little bit more about the French uh, angle and maybe there is a few question marks around some of the others is it a is there a bigger price in here that you're looking for yeah, there is. Uh, but first, I just want to say that point you just made there about Oshin Murphy riding Via Sistina, I think that's crucial. And that's the only reason why I'm against her. Uh, because it's not that I don't like Oshin. I think he's fantastic. One of the best riders we have. But Via Sistina has got on exceptionally well with Jamie Spencer over the last year and a bit. She can hang badly to her right when she comes under pressure as well. She caused all of that interference. I think it was in, was in Ireland uh, last time or the time before that when she was hanging to her right under pressure. So Oshin's going to have his work cut out. It's not that uh, Jamie's being replaced, from what I know. I think he's riding in Australia uh, this weekend or next weekend, and he's out there. Um, but that was the only reason that I was put off Via Sistina, because she will love the ground. Um, regarding the others, Horizon Door, I think, is the most likely winner of the race. Um, the owners won this with Sealaway two years ago. I thought that, that uh, victory at Longchamp last time out was super impressive. This horse has real push-button acceleration on testing ground. Um, and that will definitely stand him in good stead. But price dictates, as you say, that I look for a bigger option uh, because I don't think 11 to 4 or 9 to 4, whatever price he is now, was fair. I think he should be 3 to 1, 7 to 2. And if he is, then I'll probably have a few quid on him as well. Um, I agree with Ross about King of Steel. I don't think the ground is ideal for him. Mostard Duff, I agree with you both. Don't think he should be running here. Breeders' Cup would be ideal. Uh, that neon turf victory, by the way, back in Riyadh um, in February was one of the best performances I've seen. He's quite clearly a good globe trotter, and if they go to the Breeders' Cup, he's a major player. Um, so yes, I'm going for a horse at a big price, which is my Prospero. Now, does he have the class to win this race? I don't know, probably not. But at the same time, he's twelve to one. We're looking at three places. I think he's got a great chance of hitting the frame at the very least. William Haggis has an excellent record in this race over the last few years. Dave was runner-up in 2019 then won it in 2020. Dubai Honor finished a close-up second in 2021. Then My Prospero took third in this race last year. So Haggis is always there or thereabouts with his charge in here. Plus, I think that My Prospero has also been aimed at this race all season long. And I don't think that many of these horses have. So that's a tick in the box for him. He's being overlooked in the market slightly. I think he should be around eight to one. The reason for that is because he's not the most prolific. We've seen that this season. He has lost races he should have arguably won. Uh, and last time up at Goodwood, he wasn't as good as many would have expected him to be. But he got the job done. It was a confidence booster. It was off a two-month layoff. He probably wasn't 100% primed, given this is his target and there's a gap between the two races. So I can excuse him for not winning that by four lengths, for example. Um, 
the ground's come in its favour, which is absolutely crucial. I love the fact that a tongue tie's gone on. I love the fact that blinkers go on. This seems like today is the day for my Prospero. And at 12 to 1, 14 to 1, whatever price we're getting, given the negatives for a lot of other horses in this race, whether that be price, ground, the fact they might not even run, I think he's the, the best each way player in the race. He's um he's just a nearly horse, isn't he? He came third in it last year. I'm just trying to, I'd, I'd hate to compare anything to the likes of a horse like a day, but I remember when they threw on cheap pieces or whatever it was. Was it blinkers he wore or was it cheap pieces? I think it, One was, of the... I think it wore both in his career, did... not in this race it was pieces. Yeah, I think I remember them, they, they shoved them. Actually, I'm looking at it now. Yes, they shoved cheap pieces on him and they, he, wore, he wore them three times and then on the fourth occasion... He was second to Magical on the champion stakes. So there we go. Um, but he's a bit like that, isn't he? He's just a, he's a great grand horse, but he'll probably come a little bit short in sometimes in group one contests when they're really, really hot. But you can't believe that this is a the best edition of the champion stakes that we've ever seen, um, especially when you've got likes of Horizon Door, who, and I've got a lot of time respect for Jack Darcy and the the, the Coles have campaigned him um, quite creatively this season. But he bombed out last time. Might have been a bit over the top. The form hasn't exactly been franked as much as Horizon Door did look very impressive. Um, so I think you guys are, are spot on to take the favourites on. But I think King of Steel should be favourite. Um, I think 4-1 to one right now is a good price about a horse that if the ground is the only question mark, um, I can't really find any other reasons not to be behind him. His third behind Hookham must be the best piece of form on offer in this race from the King George. We know how brilliantly Westover ran in the um, pre-large triumph. Hookham didn't run his race with the with the ground going against him. Um, it was good to soft that day. It was pretty tacky. Um, if they go into the inner course, it will obviously benefit King of Steel. Um, he loves, he's proved himself time and time again now at Ascot. Uh, he's not had a overly strenuous season. Um, yes, he he might be a horse that might take a bit of knowing. I don't think that Frankie just jumping on and just getting there will be uh, is is a is a given. Although Amma Racing seems to think that that's a it's a big benefit. But I think Kevin Stott did a very good job with him, um, and uh, he's uh, he's no longer with him. But Frankie gets the gets the opportunity. But um, I suppose if there's going to be one jockey that's going to take over the ride, it, it would be Frankie regardless. Um, I do, I just like his, I like, I like, just like to see him within here. And I just think he's the wrong price in the context of the race. But we probably will have a, a bit of a change up as we get uh, closer to the day, especially if Mossadaf comes out. So that is the Kipco champion stakes. Um, Can I just whilst... jump in there, Jess, really quickly on that uh, Frankie the Tory factor? The Detori mm-hmm. factor. <clears throat> now, it's 4-1 to one right now, King of Steel. As you say, that's probably fair. He could easily uh, go off favourite in this race, not just because he is this talking horse. He's the best physical specimen in the race by a mile, but because Frankie's on board. So if you're going to Ascot on Saturday and this horse is 5-2, to two, I think he's a terrible bet. And here's a hypothetical situation for you that I think could come to fruition. Now, we know that Frankie doesn't ride well when it rains. He's admitted it. It just it, it's a it's a situation, right? He's just not on top form. He hates being out there. He's on this big horse who's drawn in, in stall one, probably going to be against the fence. Say they move this to the inner course, he's going to have no room whatsoever. Is Frankie really going to be bothered to push out? I mean, I don't know. I I lose the will to live with Frankie occasionally. Uh, he's a great rider, but there's, there are plenty of factors in here that I think Frankie's not a good jockey booking for King of Steel. He's his final ever ride at Ascot. And that's why this horse is going to be over bet, right? 
Well, he will. He might be overbet. Yes, I agree. That's why I'm saying right now at four to one. This is why you got to listen to this podcast on Thursday, uh, not listen to it on Saturday, um, as we know from uh, last week, because uh, probably a lot of the prices that Ross put up went halved by the time we listened to it on Saturday. But yes, I think that is right. I think that's fair enough. He will be, and there will be. There's obviously whirlpools and things like that, so people are going to be following Frankie in. I can't. I don't really agree that he doesn't ride well in the rain. I mean, He's do you not remember? Himself. Do you not remember Caldine at the beginning of the year and Abel when she won both two King Georges? I don't think, I don't agree with that. I think he'll be out to make sure it's the Frankie show like he's done all year at Ascot on Saturday. So, um, we'll, we'll, the only thing I would say is that coming out of stall one on the inner trap might not be ideal for a big lump of a horse like that. But look. Kevin Stott almost got in trouble, if you remember, in, um, at Royal Ascot from the inside stall. They managed to get a gap in the straight before his stamina went away, but uh, there is a danger, as you say, that the inside stall coupled with Frankie mm. could be a negative. Yeah. Well, if there's one man to work it out, come rain or shine. Hopefully it will stop raining by Saturday. Um, look, let's uh, let's see. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting one. It'll be very, it'll be, um, tactically, it'll be fascinating. So that's it. We've got lots of different opinions. Always makes it a little bit more spicy. Um, my Prospero for TC, Ross likes Via Sistina, and I like King of Steel. Um, okay, we've got um, four other races over on the course of Saturday. So uh, I'd be assuming that our naps are next best come from some of the other races because there's some really cracking um, looking field sizes as well. So I think Ross needs to take it away after being the star of the show last week. Well, before we get to that, I just looked on the BH website and uh, they've actually announced a colour change for King of Steel and it's no longer a purple and white cap. It's one of those little hats with an umbrella on top. So Frankie should be should be fine. Um, yeah, no, nap, nap and next best. I, I was torn between going jumping to my jumps now, which has really kick-started last weekend at Chepstow or, or being a good good boy and sticking to the to the Champions Day at Ascot. And I, so I've gone half and half. I thought the nap was a pretty clear standout in... Kinross is is just head and shoulders above them, isn't he? In the in the champion sprint stakes at, at 150, he loves soft ground. He won this race last year on on better ground than this. This is going to suit him even more because he is a seven furlong specialist, really. So this extra stamina test at six furlongs on the stiff Ascot track uh, will suit him. He did get a poor ride in the foray last time by Frankie. That was certainly one that that got away. And provided it's not raining and Frankie can get cover from the rain through the mid part of the race, um, I think this is this is Frankie's best chance of the of the weekend. Um, I think Kinross will comfortably win the 150. And then a little bit more from left field. Um, the next best comes in the 235 at Stratford. And it's uh, Chankaya who makes handicap debut for uh, Mitchell Hunt. Uh, Chankaya named after that ancient Indian polymath. Um, and he's been sort of Catching the eye for not getting home uh, over two mile four, the last twice at Newton Abbott and Newtoxeter. He's raced quite keenly, but races in cheek pieces. Um, I think this is a really good bit of placing. Just uh, 10 days after his last run, uh, he comes here. He drops back to two mile two on a sharper track at Stratford. Um, I think they're trying to, to get a win before the ground goes too soft. Um, and I thought he was an interesting horse in the 235 at Stratford. Okay, so Kinross, um, uh, so Frankie's got all his different sets of goggles so he can make sure he can see throughout the rain. Um, and uh, Chenkea, uh, for, um, to add to 
Ross's uh, nap. So uh, looking forward to that. And yeah, there's good racing at Market Racing as well. Lights of Chamblou in action. Um, but that's uh, more of that. We've got Cheltenham next week as well, guys. So don't worry. Don't worry. The jumps is coming. Um, but uh, we'll let uh, um, TC let us know what he is looking forward to seeing um, outside of the obvious main ones this weekend. Yeah, my nap comes in the Long Distance Cup, the first race on Champions Day at Ascot at 1.15pm. This uh, race is uh, basically billed as a match between Kiprios and Trushan, two of the best stayers that we've seen uh, over the last couple of years. Trushan lost his way um, at the end of last season, start of this season, and is now back at his best. Kiprios wasn't seen for 340-odd days, ran a bit disappointing last time. So it's technically a 50-50 match. We don't 100% know what to expect from Kiprios. Yet the market says Kiprios is six to five and Trushan is two to one. I think that disparity is wrong. I think they should be six to four or eleven to eight each of two. And for that reason, Trushan is going to be my nap. Um, the ground is going to be bottomless. That will suit him. He's won this race for the last three years. Uh, definitely been targeted here, despite the fact he's run recently. I thought Holly Doyle was excellent on him in France last time. Went to the front. This horse can take a pull. She just made him settle out in front, kicked off the, the front end and, and just dominated that race. Despite the fact that it's a relatively short layoff since then, he didn't really have much of a race. He was never challenged. So Trushan is going to be my, my nap. I think he'll um, have the fitness edge and definitely the track edge on Kiprios in the 115 at Ascot. And my next best, given Trushan's a relatively short price, is going to come in the Balmoral Handicap, the race everyone will want to try find the winner of because not only is it the last race on Ascot uh, on Saturday, but it's also the race with a ridiculous market like seven to one on the field it's at 425 should just clarify that and the horse i like is migration now look this could be an each way play but obviously i'm, I'm going to put him up as a win a win pick he's top weight but the ground will suit he loves testing conditions uh he won the lincoln earlier this year coming from virtually last two first under benoit de la sayette he takes the ride again he won that race actually very closely if you go back to watch the replay he had the race one at the half furlong marker and just moved further and further clear he disappointed last time in the Gordon Richards stakes, but that was against good horses. And it was also on a day at Newmarket where it was impossible to make up any ground from behind. He was last in a small tactically run affair, which is never going to make any inroads against better animals like Adiyar, for example. Um, I like the fact he's had a layoff since. If you look at his form figures off layoffs of 150 days or longer, they read 24281. And the eight actually came in this race last year when he was given a pretty poor ride and would have definitely been in the first four. Uh, if he got that clear run up the inside rail when Jockey switched him, uh, he got stopped at a crucial stage, stayed on late, but only finished eighth. I think he's relatively well handicapped. I think he's a group horse in a handicap, which is always a, a tick in the box. And they're going to go hard early, which will suit his running style. So migration is my next best in the 425 Ascot. Yeah, I was um, lucky enough to have a chat with Benoit de la Sayette and I asked him about migration last night and his, his eyes just lit up. He was so looking forward to getting back on him. Um, a horse that's been um, made such a statement for him at the beginning of the season and they just nurtured him. They've had to because he's obviously got a fair few problems and only had uh, two runs this year and it's all been about this race. Um, OK, thank you, TC. I'm looking forward to that. I can't, like It's amazing this time last year, if you thought that uh, Kiprios was going to be, what, 11 to 8 um, for for this race, you'd think it's mad, but maybe a bit of an un underwhelming uh, prep run in um, in the Irish St. Ledger and Trushan. Uh, does he have the fight in him? That's what I want to see. Like he's ran a bizarre race on his 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 win um, at Doncaster where he was so, so free. Um, and then he just had it all his own way last time. But if he gets into a fight, that's what it's, where it's going to really matter. So looking forward to that indeed. Um, 
Okay, my nap and next best also come at Ascot. Um, I'm going for the uh, Phillies and Mare Stakes 225, where I'm looking forward to seeing Timelock, who um, is coming off the back of two straight successes. She, I think they're just sort of getting to the bottom of her last run at um, Newmarket. Yes, it was, uh, you know, against a, against a, a weaker group of Phillies, um, but they, they've really worked out getting her confidence um, and taking her to France has really helped. That's what they said. It, they said it really gave her that kind of a, a spring in her step that she needs. Um, she will have William Buick on board this, this time instead of Ryan Moore. Um, and that's going to be a, a no, no uh, poor replacement at all um, as he gets crowned champion jockey on Saturday. Uh, I think there's, there's ways you can pick, um, you can pick out a free wind, the favourite currently in the race. She's a little bit hit and miss. Jackie, Jackie O's been a bit of a bridesmaid. And yes, she's got genuine group one form, but she's ran quite a lot this season. Um, and she comes off, off the back of a, of a run just uh, recently where she had to travel all, all the way to, to France. And uh, I think that might have been quite a tough race, whereas Time Lock comes into it with maybe slightly better preparation. So I'm hoping that she can provide Harry and Roger Charlton a Group 1 winner before Harry takes over the licence on his own. And then in the 425, the Balmoral, I'm going to take on TC. Um, I do love migration. He's got a lot of weight again this time, like he did in the um, in the Lincoln at the beginning of the year. But I think Barador has been a different horse. We've talked about headgear from my Prospero earlier on and Barador's been a different horse since they put a set of cheap pieces on um, he won at Ascot in July um, at a double figure price he proved that was no fluke coming just a little bit further back in trip at Doncaster last time he's up um, nine pounds since his last since his first win at Ascot um, but I think it's really been about this headgear and a bit of underfoot conditions that's really helped him Again, William Buick on board this time uh, for George Burby, who I think has had this race planned out a bit like he's probably done with Via Sestina. So Baradar for me in the Balmoral, um, along with Time Lock. So looking forward to it. Um, a great day of racing um, to to come. Keep an eye on the weather. Keep an eye on what Ascot decides in terms of the um, the tracks. But I think we're all kind of hoping that it stays as it is. Um, I think even if the background is a slightly better in the inner course for King of Steel I think after listening to this podcast um I wouldn't mind him having a little bit more space for Frankie to deal with on the um the normal course the round course so that's it thank you for listening um we've got a good few offers for you guys this week we've got a free bet builder to use on Liverpool versus Everton on Saturday which is available to all customers um we've also got Another offer, place two £5 football multiples, get a £5 free bet for this Saturday and Sunday, available again to all customers. And then for all the horse racing fans who've listened to this podcast and have got some of your favourite selections from any one of us or all of us, um, place two £5 horse racing multiples, get a £5 free bet on Saturday. Again, available to all customers. And for all new SBK customers, you can get £30 of free bets when you sign up and bet £10 for the first time. Don't forget to subscribe um, and like. Um, that's the end of the flat turf season. We'll be back next week to preview uh, Cheltenham, which is coming. Um, thank you. And see you soon.